Good morning, church. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about what's going on in Brazil, and then Fabio's going to take the mic. But um, there has been a lot going on, so I'm going to try to be brief. But six months ago, actually almost seven now, when we left for Brazil, we really had no idea where we were going to go or what we were going to be doing. And the Lord has done so much. We didn't know what to imagine, but it was beyond anything that we could imagine. And we are just at the beginning of what he's going to do in that area where we feel he's calling us to stay um, long term. And so um, I just wanted to emphasize, though, before I share some of the specifics, that we really believe that one of the things the Lord's teaching us is that it has to do with two major ingredients, the power of prayer and the power of love. And the power of love also has to do with the power of prayer because we don't have the kind of love it takes to love the kind of people that are so unlovable. And the only way that we can really love them the way the gospel calls us to is if God imparts his love into our hearts so that we're able to love them. And that happens in prayers. And as we came to Cambodia, we felt the Lord just calling us to spend large amounts of time in prayer. And he began to break our hearts for the people and for the city and for the things that were happening there. And we would just weep in prayer as he began to impart his love to us um, for the people there. And we would pray a lot on the veranda of the church building where we were living on the third floor. Since we just had one room, once the kids went to bed, we didn't have much we could do. So we would, we would just walk back and forth on the veranda and pray. And it was very strategic because from there we could see the city. We could see on one side Balneario with the beach where you saw the high-rise apartment buildings and all the rich people. We could see that from the from one side. And from the opposite side, we could see what's called the favela, which is the Brazilian slum. And that's uh, where they just, on the outskirts of the city, they just build their houses up the mountain. It's not land that's bought, and it's not houses with structure. They just kind of throw together whatever they can up the sides of the mountain, and it's usually the most dangerous area of the city, controlled by drug trafficking and a lot of problems of poverty and child neglect and abuse and a lot of things that go along with that. And then very close, we could see across the street, there was a castle-looking building that was also in the video that was a, a transvestite club. And then up on the other side of the hill, there was another castle-looking building, which was a Masonic temple, and they did all sorts of satan- satanic rituals there. Usually during the church services, we could see them in long black capes and uh, things like that. So um, we just started praying for the city, and we started seeing God do amazing things without... We feel like we really didn't do that much. It was really God who was doing it. And people started coming to the church, people that were um, homeless, people that were um, addicted to drugs and alcohol, they just started showing up at the church, and, and especially Fabio, they were usually men, so especially Fabio would just minister to them um, the gospel, and usually, you know, cut his, cut their hair, give them a meal, let them take a shower, give them his own clothes, and um, but most importantly, minister the gospel to them. And then um, we saw... Um, 
a lot of other things happened as we would walk. We started to notice that there were prostitutes all over the streets, even a lot of times in the middle of the afternoon. And we just started feeling compelled to, to talk to them. And so we began to, to just go out. Sometimes it was just when we happened to be out anyway. And then we began being more purposeful about just going out and talking to them and praying with them on the streets. And we put together gift bags. The kids colored pictures for them. And we put some chocolates and different things in little bags. And we took them. And we've just been praying for them. And we've seen two that have left prostitution. And again, I feel like we haven't done as much as we've prayed. We've spent much more time in prayer than in doing. And how many people know that that's where the victory is really won? The victory is won in prayer. And and then we began to pray that God would close down that transvestite club, that it would just dry up, that the abominations that were committed there would just come to an end. We would pray with the children as we were walking by. One day we all put our hands on the door. It's closed during the day. So we all put our hands on the door and God just close this place down in Jesus' name that it would just fall. And just a week before we came, we saw it close down. We were driving, we were walking, we don't have a car, we were walking by and the kids said, they're cementing the door closed, mom. And the, there was a big hole in one of the, the, the pillars and there were cracks in the wall. The banners were falling down. It really just was an act of God. And we can choose to see some of those things as coincidences or we can see the power of God that works through prayer. And then we also, another a great opportunity we had was in the public schools. I was first given an opportunity to teach English. And from the first day, I said, I don't want to just, you know, make sure they can speak English. But we were hoping, it was right in the middle of the favela and the Brazilian slum. We wanted that to be an entryway for us to reach that community. And the Lord has been giving us those open doors as we um, have been there. And one day the principal came to me and said, what do you think about um, having like a praise and worship day here at the school? This is a public school. And I said, yeah, I think that's a great idea. So, you know, the next week we went there, we had got a group from the church, and we um, were able to, to praise and worship with the kids and just to give them the clear gospel. And, and all the teachers were there, and it was amazing. Many of the children were saved that day. We prayed with them. Many of them were even crying. And then before we left, we were getting ready to leave, and the principal got got Fabio and she said, no, wait, don't go yet. Can you just come into the office and pray with us? And she gathered all the teachers and, um, she just wanted us to come in and pray with us. And she was like, that was so great. Do you think you could come by every week and just pray with us? We really need this. And we were like, absolutely. And then she said, can we do this praise and worship every month? And we felt like we'd been there like a long time. And she's like, and could we do it longer? Like, I really wanted it to be the whole day. <laughs> I was like, wow, sure. So a lot of these things are just starting to happen. And that's one school. There are at least two others that we've been able to make contacts with that are totally wide open. Um, we've also been able to reach out to the mothers of these students. One day we had an outreach, about 80 of them came. Many of them were saved that day and were able to start following up with their families. And, um, and also one of the other things that we really are praying about and it's starting to happen is we want to make contact and friendships with the mayor of the city and some of the officials of DCFS and other organizations because they recognize that the situation is out of control and they don't know what to do about it and we know what the answer is and so they are starting to turn their eyes toward the church which is exactly the way it should be and so we want to be able to minister in those areas and we want them to be able to see that Jesus is the answer and the only way that there would be transformation. So um, before I close, I'm just going to read 
this, I just felt like the, the spirit was moving so much and in the worship and almost every single song. And I had already um, planned on sharing the scripture, which we sang about in several of the songs. This is Jesus in John 12. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And this has been in many ways um, an experience of death for us, as it's been very hard um, to go and to leave America and to try to fit our lifestyle into 10 suitcases and take four small children. Um, And... If it wasn't for that, it wouldn't be worth it. But as that grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it doesn't remain there, but it produces a harvest. And that's where we have our eyes. We have our eyes on the harvest. So Jesus prayed, not, Father, take away the hard things, but, Father, glorify your name. And I believe that's a word not just for us and for our family, but for the church, that that's where God wants all of us to be, that we would love as he loved us. And that means laying down our lives to bring the gospel And nobody, we sang here, the one who gave it all. Nobody gave as much as Jesus did. Nobody left the kind of home that Jesus left to bring us the gospel. We think we're giving up a lot. Jesus is our, he was the first missionary, and he gave it all for us. Good morning. (laughs) Well, it's, um, it's a privilege for us to be here with you guys. And, um. As we, like, it's amazing, like, we watch this video, I get uh, uh, excited and and I get touched by what's going on in Brazil. I feel like going myself to Brazil (laughs) when I see that. Um, But one thing that I believe that God is giving to us during this season, during this month in America is... is, um, a message, a word, where God wants us to come back to Him. And we know that, right? To the purposes of God for our lives. So, one word that I felt I had, in my, I had on my heart this morning is that, you know, I don't know all of you, I don't know what you're going through, but I just want to say, and I feel like very strongly, that God would say this to you this morning, that God loves you. In whatever state you are, wherever you are right now, God loves you, and He loves you too much to leave you there. So I would, like, I would invite you to just really humbly open your hearts this morning and receive the word that God will speak to your hearts. Amen? Amen. So why don't we start with a little word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you because you're just so good to us. And besides you, Lord, we don't want anything else. And we understand, Lord God, as you have said, Jesus, that without you, we can do nothing. So we recognize, Lord, our need of you. So this morning, I pray, Father God, that you'd open our hearts, that you'd open our eyes, that we'd be able to receive your word, 
that you would open our eyes so that we would be able to see and take a good look at our hearts and see what you want to show us this morning. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would speak through your servant and that this morning, Father God, we would be blessed by you, Lord. We didn't come here to hear men, but to hear you, Father. So I pray, Father, that you would speak to us this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. I would like to start with uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So here, here we see that the writer of Hebrews is saying that God is saying, let us run the race marked out for us. The title of this message is Living for the Purposes of God. We understand that purpose is something important in life. And it's so important and it's so like inside of man that we know that we need to find purpose in life. And that's why there are so many Hundreds or thousands of books written out there about purpose and they sell so much in the church, outside of the church, because God created man with a purpose. God did not create man. Uh, uh, we weren't born as experiment babies. We were born with a purpose. And God has a very specific one for each one of us on this earth. So then the question here is, what are you living for? We can say, oh, I live for God. We all live for God. But what is your place in the kingdom of God? So we see uh, from the beginning, God showing that He is a God of purpose. So He creates Adam. And one thing that we see uh, 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 in, the, in the beginning of the Bible, we don't see Adam going around and saying, God, what am I doing here? I got... I got no, no money, I got no woman, got, got no drink, got no smoke, got no belly button, some might think. <laughs> he didn't go around thinking, what, what am I doing here on this earth? He wasn't wandering around with no purpose. But instead, we see it very clear that God take him, put him in the Garden of Eden and says, you're going to cultivate it and you're going to keep it. We see a God of purpose. You're going to cultivate it, and you're going to keep it. And one of the definitions of sin is uh, uh, missing the mark. So then we see that after sin, then he loses that. And then what do we see in the second generation in Cain's life? After his sins, what, what's one of the things that came upon him? You're going to be a wanderer. See, we become wanderers. This is bad. We lose purpose. And that's not where we want to go, to live without purpose. We see Adam had a very specific purpose. And then after sin, he's kicked out of there, of the, the Garden of Eden. And then we see Cain as well, 
losing his purpose in life, and now you're going to become a wanderer. And if we don't find the purpose of God for our lives, if we don't live the purpose of God for our lives, if we don't run the race that's marked out for us, if we're shooting for nothing, we're most likely going to get there. Without a purpose, we're going to be wanderers. So now the question is, what's the purpose of God for your life today? What are you doing here today? Why were you born? Is the question. What's the purpose for your life? What's the race marked out for you? And if you don't get to understand the purpose of God for your life, you're going to be living for empty things. You're going to be living for yourself. And so the question is, what's the race that's marked out for you? And uh, we see in Hebrews chapter, chapter 12, uh, uh, let us run the race that's marked out for us. But, but what do we need to do? Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily entangles. That's uh, NKJV that says weight. Here uh, NIV says everything that hinders. So let us lay aside. We think like too much again to this thing of a sin, sin. Yeah, we know that we are to get rid of sin. But here he's saying, let us run the race marked out for us. So let us lay aside sin that's so easily entangled. Yes, but let us lay aside every weight. Because if we don't live with purpose, we're going to be filling our life with so much stuff, with so much junk that take up all of our time, all of our energy, that we're not going to be able to run the race marked out for us. If we are running without a target, we're going to be going everywhere. We're going to be all over. So, so that's, that's the importance of knowing what we were created for. And until we realize, like until I realize what God had for our lives, for this season at least, or, or, before, or even before years ago, because I didn't know the race that was marked out for us. Then if I saw like a, a, a big preacher, then I'd be like, I wish I was like that preacher. And then I see someone just uh, 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 reaching out to, to thousands. I'm like sucking my thumb. I wish I was like that guy too. And then I see people praying and doing crazy things, you know, and God doing amazing things. I wish I was like that guy too. And then all of a sudden, we're trying to run everybody else's race because we don't know the race that's marked out for us. So the importance of knowing the race that's marked out for us. Um, I would like to open uh, Judges chapter 13. So it's very important for us to Keep that in sight. The vision of God. The thing that God has planted in your heart. The purpose for your life. And keep that because you're, going, you're running a race. And if you're running that race, you need to know where you're going to. And you cannot lose sight of that. And if you lose sight of the vision of God for your life. Not your own vision. If you lose sight of the vision of God, you're going to lose sight of consecration. Because if you're not running any race, you don't even know what on earth you're doing here. You don't have that motivation to leave the sin aside, 
and much less every weight and everything that hinders. I'm not going anywhere. Why do I need to get lighter? So we see here something dangerous in the book of Judges, chapter 13. We're going to go through uh, life of Samson real quick. That uh, verse 4, chapter 13, verse 4. It says, Now see to it that you drink no wine or other fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So we see here, the, the, the Israelites were in defeat for 40 years, and one thing before we get into this, can you imagine living in defeat for 40 years? I've talked to people that have fought and struggled with certain things for so long to the point that they end up believing that's just my cross that I need to carry in life. And it builds that mentality of defeat. They'll never get victory over this thing. So that's just, I don't know if you say that here, but in Brazil that's how we say, that's my cross that I'm going to carry. But that's not your cross. And we are not to live in defeat. They were in defeat for 40 years, but while they were in defeat, well, God loved them too much to leave them like that. And God was already creating something in the womb of Samson's mother. And then we see here that God gives this word to her. I'm the, the fruit of your womb, you're going to give birth to a son. And he's going to deliver Israel from the hand of the Philistines. From inside of you. It's inside of you. And But he says here, but drink no wine, no fermented drink, no unclean thing. So what do we see here? That he's giving her some guidelines too. Consecration. You're going to be set apart. Yes, I'm going to do this with you. But set apart. You're going to be different. Yes, than anybody else. And your son who is going to be born, he's going to be a Nazarite. He's never going to cut his hair. He's going to be different than everybody else. Yes, he's going to be different from his circle of friends. He might even be weird. But it doesn't matter because he's not living for this world. He's going to be living for me. And I'm going to work wonderful things through his life. But in order to do that, you're going to make sure that you keep that in sight. This is the vision. I'm going to use you. And you're going to deliver Israel from the hands of the Philistines. But you are to be different. He's calling you aside. And we see that in the Old Testament too. That God would say, consecrate yourselves today. Consecrate yourselves tonight. Because tomorrow, I'm going to do wondrous things. Isn't that what we see several times? So He is imparting a vision. This is what's going to happen tomorrow. This is what I'm going to do. But until then, set yourselves apart for me. You are to be holy because I am holy. So when we lose sight of the vision of God, you're going to be running 
any race. And we're not going to live lighter. We're not going to leave aside the weight and the sin, sin that so easily entangles. Because you don't know where we're going. So here, one thing that I would like to say is, in the purposes of God, listen to this, in the purposes of God, you only go as far as you're willing to surrender. You only go as far as you're willing to surrender. God said, I'm going to do this. But for today, you got to do this. Now, if Samson's mother didn't do it, I don't know if it would have happened. And we see also, we're going to see that Samson, when he decided not to keep his consecration, then he lost a lot of things too. And I see in our own lives, when God started to show us that we needed to, to leave everything and go to Brazil, I think we, we prayed and, well, we prayed and struggled for many months until finally we decided to drop everything and run the race that was marked out for us. And then when we got to Brazil, we just saw God's grace, a word that was spoken over us that we were not going to have to push anything. One door was going to be, one door after another was going to be opened and we just had to walk. And as for now, it looks like everything is slow, but when it happens, it's going to be fast. And that's what we saw in two, two and a half months in Cambodia, where we are now. Just to see that uh, God was giving us grace, love, and, and even the, the boldness to, to minister to those prostitutes, the transvestites, uh, uh, druggies, alcoholics, uh, hitmen, and all kinds of things that we were not done if we knew beforehand what was going to happen. A lot of times we didn't even know who we were speaking to. And when I, when I was in this little room preaching to these guys, and then later on, on the way home, I found out that two of them were fugitives from another state, uh, and they were hitmen. And, and after the conversation, the word was kind of like straightforward. But then at the end, I remember that I talked to them, you know, gave them hugs and everything. And then, um, and then on the way home was when I really found out what I was dealing with. But then really, I was like, I'm glad I never asked them what they do for a living. Uh, <laughs> But then we, we started seeing all the things that God were, was doing in Brazil. But then we would never experience what God is doing in our lives now. If we hadn't surrendered what God was asking. We will only go as far as we're willing to surrender. So then in Judges uh, chapter 16, so we see here, Samson was born, he grew up with all that strength, and he was doing all types of things. Now the question, going back so we don't lose sight of that, what's the purpose of God for your life? I understand, we're not all called to go overseas to preach. But maybe you called to preach in your neighborhood. Maybe your race is to raise a godly seed. Samson's. Maybe your purpose is to write songs, write books, to get into politics. And there, 
when you know the purpose of God for your life and you keep that in sight, living for God in the purpose of God, that's where you're going to cause the most impact. You're not trying to follow other people. You're not trying to run other people's race. You have to know what's the race of God for your life. What's the race of God for this season for your life. And we see Samson here. He was living. He knew. He grew up knowing that he was born with one specific purpose. That was to deliver his people from the hands of the Philistines. But then we see in his life that he and he 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 starts to well he starts he was always walking by sight that's what we see and he was living for himself and then he because he didn't have that vision of what God had for him he uses all his gifting all that power all that dynamite that's inside of him for his own purposes and then he starts playing with that well, if you ask any kid today, what Samson is known for? He's known for his great strength. Well, that wasn't the point. The point here was, he was to be known as the man who would deliver the people of Israel. He was to be known. We see like the word that, that God gave to his mother. He is going to begin the deliverance of your people. And I'm going to give him the tools for that. But when we are not living for the purpose of God, all the gifting that we have, that power that is inside, that's different than anybody else, we start using for who? For ourselves. You're not to be known by the gifting that you have. You're to be, you're to be known for the, by the purpose that God has for your life. To cause that impact in the kingdom. And that's exactly what the Philistines want to do. They want to sabotage God's purpose. Because the Philistines were not afraid of any Israelite. But they were afraid of a man who had a purpose. The kingdom of darkness is afraid of people who live for the purpose of God. Not anybody, but the person who will walk that out. And we see here, chapter 16, verse 4. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him, so we may tie him up and subdue him. So we see here that that's what the Philistines want to do with the men of purpose. They want to overpower him. They want to tie him up. They want to subdue him. They want to neutralize that power that is inside of him. And what's he? And here, look, listen to this. So what? In order to neutralize that power within that man of purpose, what do they do? They will use the very thing. Is in love with. We all know that we always give our best to the things we're in love with. Can we say amen to that? We always give our best to the things we're in love with. And um, we give our best, we give our all, 
We give our thoughts. We give our dreams. We give our money. We give our possessions. And I remember when I was in love with my wife. Yes, I am still in love with her. But when we, in the beginning, we would do all kinds of things. I would miss work. I didn't care. I would leave the car with her. I would wake up at 4 in the morning because she woke up real early to go to school. So I would wake up even earlier when it was still dark, get some flowers the night before, and leave outside the door. And, and, and you know, you know what I'm talking about. So we always give our best to the things we're in love with. Well, now the problem is, what happens when we fall in love with the wrong thing? Now we see here, Samson falls in love with Delilah. And then that secret that he had about his hair, about the secret of his strength, that the enemy wanted to sabotage, she tries everything she can just to get that thing out of him. And there was the strength, of course, was not in his hair. There was the symbol of his consecration to God. And that's exactly what your enemy wants to do, to take away your consecration. He wants to take away your consecration. You are to be set apart, but your enemy wants to take away your consecration. And that's exactly what he does. He uses the things that you love. And when he loved the wrong thing, the very thing that he loved that was wrong, what did that do? Ended up betraying him. So always remember this. If you're in love with the wrong thing, that thing is going to end up betraying you. And one thing that we that we see so clear where we've um, we know this person that God saved him from a world of darkness, you know, all kinds of things that he was into. And while he was still young, that God had saved him from that. And God showed him his purpose and showed him very clear, this was the race that I have for you. And he began to get ready for it. And he prepared himself for it. And he started running that race. And God was using him. And he was a gifted man. Because that was the purpose of God for his life. Until he fell in love with his business. And when he fell in love with the wrong thing. Maybe because of the money he brought. Maybe because of all the nice lifestyle that he got out of it. And then eventually he became a millionaire. But then the very thing that he ended up loving more than God ended up betraying him. And he ended up losing his business. He lost all his money. He lost his purpose, his calling, his, not his calling, maybe his ministry. He ended up losing his family. The very thing that we love that's wrong is going to betray us. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. To overpower you, tie you up, and subdue. So the question here, what are you in love with? What are you giving your heart to? What are you giving your best to now? 
um, I remember like this testimony. When we got down to Brazil, uh, Pastor Facundo is the name of the pastor. He's from Argentina. And he was telling us this testimony of how, you know, one of the things that, that they understand very clear down there is that when we are uh, uh, giving something to someone, maybe money or whatever thing it is, we're not really just helping the person. We are sowing a seed into the kingdom of God. And every seed that we sow into the kingdom will never return void. To whom? To the sower. And then here, he's saying that um, in his, uh, he was in the ministry. He had his wife and he had a daughter. And uh, God used a lady to give him like a, this brand new a French car, Peugeot. And he was all happy about it. He, had, he didn't have a vehicle. He had a motorcycle. He couldn't afford the car. So when he got that, he was real happy about it. Until God said, I want you to give this car to this person. He just totally rejected that. He thought, I rebuke you, devil. But that was God speaking to him. So then, after many weeks or months... Then finally, he decided to do it. He got up on the pulpit and said, you know, this is what I've been, what's been happening to me. You know, I repent. And he called up the guy and said, God's telling me to give you these keys. And then he said that when he did that, something broke loose in that church. A step of obedience. And the presence of God was so tangible in that place, in that room, that people got off their seats and were just, Weeping and hugging each other. And then as the Lord led, they were giving away either their vehicle, their motorcycle, their jacket, money, whatever it was. And it was like this beautiful thing that God was doing. And then he was saying, when I love God the most, it doesn't matter what he asks. I'll give him whatever he asks. Because when I am in the hands of God, I'm safe. And if He is asking me something, it's because He's got something even better for me. So if we can just trust God as He is dealing with our hearts and step out into what He's calling us to do. And so we see here, Samson, he falls in love with the wrong thing. And then she's trying to get the secret out of him and trying to do everything she can to get that precious thing out of him. And then she's just like, tell me, tell me the secret. Tell me why are you so strong? And then he just comes up with anything and say, this is why. And then he, she would say, here, the Philistines are coming. So then he would just get up and then free himself. And that would happen over and over again. And then the thing here we see too, real quick, is that the power was still there. So the fact that we are still being used by God sometimes does not mean that it's all right to play with fire. And here he's playing with fire, and whoever plays with fire will get burned. And then eventually he gave her his best. He knew what was going on. But eventually, he gave her. You always give your best to the things you're in love with. He gave her the best. 
Then finally she goes, here the Philistines are coming. And then he says that he thought, just like any other time, I'm just going to break myself free. Then he comes out and he tries and there was no muscle that could free him that time. Because the Bible says, because the Lord had left him. And then as the Philistines take a hold of him, they pluck his eyes out. And then it says that they were using him to entertain them. Now, how about that? One day, a man full of purpose and potential. And now, he's in the hands of the Philistines being a clown to them, entertaining the enemy. Once a man full of power that would cause a great impact in the kingdom, now he's a man entertaining the Philistines. And the word says that whatever we are uh, overcome by, we become its slave. And so we see here, that as they pluck out his eyes, something also happened. Because in the New Testament, we see Jesus saying, if your eyes cause you to sin, pluck them out. And he was a man that was walking by sight. So the Philistines actually did him a favor, literally (laughs) plucked his eyes out. And now that he could not walk by sight anymore, I believe he started seeing what was inside. He couldn't be lured by the things he saw anymore. And now he could see the vision. Growing up, hearing from his parents, this is what you're made for. Don't use what you have for yourself because there's a purpose. There's a greater purpose for all that. Live for that. But then once... In his life, he lost sight of that. And now, without his eyes, he's seeing something different. He's seeing the vision. And now he sees the purpose of God for his life again. And that thing is coming alive again. And then he asks one of the guys, bring me to the pillars. And when he is by the pillars, then he prays to God. God, give me my eyes back. No, he didn't ask for that. He didn't care for that anymore. But in other words, he was asking, I want to live for your purpose now. I want to fulfill this thing. For whatever motivation I have here, I want to live the purpose of God now. And we see that he shakes those things. The whole thing falls down. And then the word says in verse 30, at the end of it, Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. Wow, what a statement here. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. He killed many more when he died than while he lived. And Jesus, in the word of God says, if the grain of wheat falls on the ground and does not die, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it will produce much fruit. And Paul would say, I live no longer, but Christ live in me. 
That's where we're going to be the most efficient in the kingdom of God. When we die to self. When we are dead to our own things. And we start living the purpose of God for our lives. And then Paul says later on. I fought the good fight at the end of his life. I fought the good life. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Hallelujah. I fought the good fight. And he's able to say, I finished the race. I finished the race. And that's my desire. And I trust that's your desire. That at the end of your life, you'd be able to look back and say, I finished the race. I wasn't trying to run someone else's race. I wasn't running aimlessly like one beating the air. But I was running the race. And I finished the race. Amen. So, um, why don't we pray? Would you uh, stay on your feet? And I would just invite you to just bow your heads now. And really the question is, what are you in love with? Or who are you in love with? Are you losing sight of what you're supposed to live for? Or have you given your heart to the wrong thing? And that's not for you. And I just want to say, I just want to humbly say that thing is not for you. Don't give your heart to Delilah. Don't give your heart to the wrong thing. Don't give your heart to the wrong person. Because God has a purpose for your life. And it's important that you keep your heart holy. For He is holy. And maybe we already done it. Maybe you've already given your heart to the wrong thing. Or maybe you already just feel miserable. But that's not the point. Because the prodigal son did too. But the point is that he recognized his need to come back. And God said to Adam once, where are you? And the question for you today is, where are you? Where is your heart? What are you in love with? So I just pray, Lord God, this morning that you would minister to us. We invite you, Lord, Holy Spirit, come this morning. And I pray, Father God, that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see the light. And I pray, Lord, that you would forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, if we have given our hearts to the wrong thing, to the wrong person. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would restore us to that place of deeper communion with you. 
We want to follow you. With all our hearts, with all our might, with all our soul, we want to love you. With all that we are, with all that we have. So teach us, Lord. And draw us back to you this morning, I pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.